categorize it as an us versus them mentality. So, you know, oh, those addicts over there, that's not me. You know, that's not my people, but really it is. And that's what I've seen through Deviate is it really, addiction doesn't discriminate. It affects everyone. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Awesoming's podcast, where we highlight people pursuing their definition of, you guessed it, awesome. So buckle up and get ready for some more success story adventures and failures from Kentucky's tech and entrepreneur community. Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Awesoming Podcast. If you've stuck around for part two of this Perez family saga, great. If not, I would say hit pause, go back and listen to the previous episode where you get to hear about Rob Perez's story, because now we're talking with his daughter, Sam, his one and only favorite daughter, to my knowledge. He always talks and brags about her when I'm in the in any of the restaurants. So yeah, really pumped. We're talking to Sam Perez, who is a college student, and you are currently at the University of Georgia, if I'm correct, and you are about to be releasing a book. I'm giving some some tidbits away, which is totally fine, but you're going to be hearing about Sam's Sam's life and everything her family has built through her eyes, her perspective, and what she's learned because she's a, a young entrepreneur. So we're really excited, and we're excited to to tell more Kentucky stories maybe from a different perspective, because your families have been, your family, excuse me, not families, your family has been an incredible family here locally that has really taken this social entrepreneurship, uh, like call up, so to say, and has really loved on our community well. So Sam, I'm going to, I'm going to shut up. I want to hear you talk. This is, this is your time to shine girl. So uh, give us, give us a little bit of your background. Who are you? Where are you currently in life? Give us all the, the fun details. Yeah, absolutely. So I grew up in Lexington, Kentucky, but right now I'm in Athens, Georgia. So I am getting ready to graduate in May. I'll be graduating with a degree in journalism and in Spanish. Uh, and I'm really sad to leave Athens, but you know, I'm also excited for what's to come. So I'll be working as a local television news reporter in Columbia, South Carolina. So that's what's next for me. Wow. So Lexington to Athens to Columbia, South Carolina. How did, how did all that line up? So you started here, obviously. How, what led you down to, to UGA? Yeah, it's actually kind of a funny story. So my family is all originally from California. That's where I was born, but Kentucky's my home. I left uh, California when I was two or three. Um, so Kentucky's really all I know, but my extended family is all out in California. So all throughout high school, when I was in Lexington, I really thought I was going to go out to California. That was kind of what I pictured myself doing. And then when it came down to senior year, I was kind of thinking about, you know, where I wanted to go and what I was looking for in a school and a top journalism program was really something I wanted. So I've always known this is what I wanted to do. I love telling stories. Um, and I've always loved writing and, and speaking. So I knew I wanted to go to a school with a good journalism program. And that actually caused me to look at UGA. I never ever would have pictured myself as a Georgia girl. I don't really know why I just didn't see myself going that far south. But but, oh my goodness, four years later, I absolutely made the best decision imaginable. And I have actually, I mean, just really enjoyed it, really had a blast here in Athens. And I've learned so much and, and I'm really happy with that decision and it could not have worked out better. Super cool. I, uh, I think a lot of people don't realize how, how fun Georgia is. I got a lot of family down there. So when I go visit, we always have a good time. So one quick question, we'll, we'll continue on. This is a tangent. I'm full of them. So just be prepared. Yeah. You're from Kentucky. Everyone is all about Kentucky Wildcats. Do you cheer for the Bulldogs if they're playing or are you, are you a diehard Kentucky fan? Okay. You know, that's a funny question. I always joke with my friends here and they kind of give me a hard time. Um, but you know, 
Georgia football all the way. Go dogs, 100%. But I will say I feel like I have the best of both worlds because what Georgia lacks in basketball, Kentucky usually, not this year, but usually makes up for. So when it comes to basketball, definitely go cats, but go dogs all the way when it comes to football. You know, I, I have the best of both worlds. Uh, so my, my family is from down south. My dad's side's from Ohio. So I'm an Ohio State Buckeye fan. So when football season's on, I am all Bucks all the way. And everyone's like, you're the worst. Get out of here. But yeah, go Bucks, <laughs> And then go Cats. So I, exactly. I'm in agreement with you there, which is great. So also, yeah, you love went it. down there for, for journalism specifically. We're talking about you and your love for telling stories, which, hint, hint, that's the big reason why we're together today. So what led you to this journalism program that you're following over in, uh, in South Carolina? Yeah, so that I actually, I've always known that I wanted to go into journalism. And honestly, even specifically, I've known I always wanted to go into television news reporting. Um, so here in Athens, I got the chance to explore journalism in a lot of different types of mediums. So I worked for a newspaper and a radio station. Um, but then I also got video experience. And that kind of confirmed that, you know, television is the way I want to go. That really excites me. Uh, so this year has been full of, you know, applying to jobs and looking at different places and kind of trying to figure out what my next move is. Um, and so so Columbia definitely piqued my interest. And so I kind of figured out that that's, you know, where I want to go. And so I've been talking to WLTX News 19 and uh, I got an offer and it just 100% felt like the right move. And so I'll be starting there in July and I'm really excited. Congrats. And, and on top of that, again, you're going to be telling stories for a living and we're telling your family story. So Hopefully, everybody, if you've listened to this episode, again, you, you've listened to the previous episode about Rob Perez and what he's done with Saul Good and Deviate Kitchen. So along the lines, Sam, where did you come in the mix when your parents started in the hospitality industry? Yeah, so they've kind of been in the restaurant industry for you know their whole entire life. So that predated me. So I came into the picture when they were living in California. So they'd left and gone to Florida and moved a few uh, to a few different states. But they found their way back to California. They had me. And then pretty soon after I was born, we moved to New Orleans. And then we moved from New Orleans after a year to Kentucky. So my first memories are in New Orleans, but I actually, you know, feel like Kentucky's home. I I think I moved there when I was three. And so that's really all I've ever known. Um, but my dad has, and my mom have both worked in restaurants for, you know, as long as I can remember, because that's pretty much all they've been doing. And I've gotten to witness it and see all their work. And it's been, it's kind of a whole family affair. So it's been really fun. That's super cool. That, yeah. You've definitely had a great experience with, with the whole family aspect. Not many people get that. So one thing I do want to hear is a lot, a lot of this conversation, I want to hear from your perspective. I know I've talked with your dad, talked with your mom. Um, we always run to each other here in Lexington, but I don't think we've ever gotten to sit down and I've never been able to hear things from your perspective, Sam. So just talk about some of, some of what you've seen. Again, you're really young in New Orleans, so maybe not there, but from, from Kentucky, maybe up until, until deviate, can you just give a quick recap of, of what you've experienced, what you saw through your perspective? Yeah, absolutely. So I kind of mentioned that it's been a family affair. And that's because my parents pretty early on when I was younger, right after they had my brother, who's six years younger than me, um, they decided to open their own restaurant. So, uh, you know, I got to watch my dad working for a few other restaurants. But honestly, a lot of that was when I was really, really young. So while I do kind of remember it, it's not really something that I was paying attention to at that age. But what I do remember is when they both made the leap and decided that they wanted to open their own restaurant. So that was Saul Good. And I was, I believe, eight years old. And so I remember 
you know, hearing them talk about it. I remember them going through the concepts and at that age, you know, they were showing me a lot of stylistic things. So showing me kind of the interior for the restaurant, which that's all my mom, she does all the decorating and has done an awesome job. Um, so, you know, I get to give my, you know, little feedback to them and tell them what I thought I got to taste test all the food, which that was probably the most exciting thing to me. Um, and so I feel like I've kind of always grown up hearing them talk about their own concepts and kind of what they wanted to do and, and just what their work entailed. And so it's always been something thing that I thought was really cool. Uh, my parents are, you know, absolutely my biggest role models. So anything that they did, I just thought was the coolest thing. Uh, so then growing up having Saul Good, it also got to be really cool because I got to go to work with them and I got to, you know, stand at the hostess stand and lead people to their tables. And I got to, again, try all the new food, all the specials that were coming out. So I really do feel like I grew up in the restaurant, which you know, it was really cool. I would go there after schools. I would spend summers there, uh, you know, when I wasn't at camp or hanging out with my friends. That's just where I spent a lot of my time. Um, and I honestly, I really enjoyed it. It was really fun getting to be a part of it. And so as I got older, they decided to open more solid locations. And eventually they came up with the concept of deviate. And so my parents are, uh, you know, particularly my mom had always been interested in opening kind of a philanthropic idea or a social enterprise. And so listening as I got older to my parents kind of going back and forth about the topic and how they would implement that and if they would implement that was always something that I thought was interesting to see kind of both sides of, you know, my mom was really pushing for it. My dad at first gave a little bit pushback. Um, but then they eventually came to this idea and they opened Deviate. And at that point, I was in high school. So they opened Deviate in 2017. Uh, and it opened during the fall of my senior year. So that I feel like I have a great perspective on because I really was a part of it. Um, and again, I, you know, I'll keep saying it, but really it's a family affair. So I would listen to my parents along with my brother talk about what they wanted to do and they'd ask for feedback. And, you know, at that point, I'm a senior in high school. I'm not eight years old when they opened Saul Good. So I feel like I, I had feedback that they actually wanted to hear. I got to help announce the restaurant opening on social media. And now I work as social media manager uh, for both of the restaurants. So I feel like I really got to be a part of it, as did my brother. He got to do a lot of the manual labor, you know, tiling and and figuring out all of that when it came to actually building the restaurant. He got a little hand in that. Um, so it's really just kind of been a, a team effort. But obviously, my parents really, you know, take on most of the work and just seeing them do everything has been nothing short of inspirational. It's been awesome to see and be a part of. That's super cool. I, yeah, I, I can't imagine the, the, the conversations you've heard, you know, at home, like parents bringing in either cool concepts or stories from customers their employees that you've heard, you've heard a lot from the gamut. Well, one of the things you mentioned, your mom had this, this desire to do something philanthropic. That's definitely the direction we're going to be heading with this conversation, focusing on deviate, which, you know, I hope people when, when they hear this, they don't kind of roll their eyes and scoff like, Oh, we've heard the same thing, but some things you need to be reminded of like, cause they bring so much value. I, I told you before we hit record, but I literally just got back from deviate today for lunch and uh, man, it's, it's always a good place. I, I love when I see new faces, because I know that means those are new human beings whose lives are being changed, which is so, so special. So so with that, would you mind talking a bit about your dad's background? And obviously, your dad has shared his story about him being a former addict and how that's affected him both as, as a restaurant owner and also a friend to his employees. So can you maybe touch upon, again, from your perspective, maybe some of the stories you've heard, some things that your parents have walked with you through as you've gotten older and been a part of the family businesses um, maybe even some of the unfortunate things that you've, you've experienced as a young adult. 
Yeah, absolutely. So I've always grown up knowing that my dad was a recovering alcoholic. So I'm super fortunate to say that, you know, he got sober very early on in his marriage with my mom. So I actually never experienced his alcoholism when, you know, it was active. Um, So recovery is kind of an ongoing process. So, you know, he still works a program and, you know, that's still a big part of his life, but that's just something I grew up knowing. It was never a secret. It was never hidden. Um, but it was also something that, you know, he's had really good kind of managing over ever since I can remember. So I am, you know, incredibly blessed to have gotten to know that and kind of grow up with that being the case. So, uh, while I never saw him in active addiction, you know, I always knew it was there. I always knew it existed. And that was a conversation that my parents, you know, had with me and they were really open about, uh, so I'm really grateful for that. And I've, I've kind of just grown up knowing that to be the case. And then when it came time to opening the restaurants, uh, both Saugood and Deviate, it's something that my eyes were open to a little bit more. So kind of the first example that I can think of, of when I really, um, you know, felt the effects is during Saugood. So we ended up, and I say we, it's really my parents and, you know, they're the ones that do all the work, but I do feel like because my brother and I are such a big part of it, that it is kind of a we thing. Um, but they did lose, you know, a lot of employees due to drug addiction and alcohol addiction. And, uh, the very first employee that that happened to was someone that I was really close with. And, uh, my whole family was, it was one of our early managers and, you know, I was still really young, so I don't remember it with perfect clarity. Um, But, you know, that was really hard. And I know it was hard on my parents, and I definitely saw that affect them. And then kind of as I continued to get older, I noticed that addiction was something that's super common, especially in the restaurant industry. So, you know, Good is a bar and a restaurant. So I have bartended actually over quarantine. I learned how I learned how to bartend. And, uh, you know, that's a big part of it. We're a restaurant and a pub. But with that comes a lot of weight. There's a lot of people in the restaurant industry. It's hard hours. You work really late. A lot of times you're in an environment where there's a lot of alcohol. So addiction does definitely run rampant in the restaurant industry. And that's what my parents began to see. uh, And that's what I began to see. And so the first, I would say, true catalyst uh, for Deviate was we had this server at Saul Good and she is and was phenomenal. Um, And, you know, she, I still laugh when I think about my dad talking about her. He still talks about her to this day. Uh, He, I think, or she in his eyes is like the number one example of a server. She did everything right. Uh, And going out to eat with my parents is an experience. So, you know, they critique everything. They have comments on everything. One of that being the food, one, the ambiance, another is the service. And so this server was impeccable in both my parents' eyes. And I will say, uh, they they can be a little hard to please when it comes to restaurants sometimes because they know what they're doing and they know what to look for. But this woman was incredible and they ended up hiring her. at uh, She was a server at a restaurant after they had a meal one night. They kind of introduced themselves, said that they owned Saul Good and they were looking for servers. So she ended up a few months later taking them up on the offer and she was a Saul Good server. And I got really close with her, as did the rest of my family. She had a little boy, and we would, you know, hang out with her and her son. And we ended up finding out uh, that she, while she was working and doing an incredible job, she was also shooting up heroin in our bathroom. Um, And that was a really shocking thing to find out. And that was something to me also, being young. I mean, I 
that floored me. I had no idea really about the specifics of drug addiction and, you know, how it could affect people like that you would never expect. And so that really kind of opened my eyes. And I think it really opened my parents' eyes too. So we got to know her better and we got to know her kind of a different side of her as she was struggling with addiction. Um, And I would say she was pretty much the biggest catalyst for DV. There were a lot of little things that kind of had to line up in order to make that happen. But I think that one experience with that server really just kind of lit that fire in my mom and in my dad to then, you know, try and address the problem by opening a restaurant. That is so powerful. I, I, I say, I say actually this, this story that you just shared about that, that woman, almost every time I go speak to a class, an organization, we, we talk about entrepreneurship, entrepreneurs, people's crazy stories. And I remember one of the first times I sat down with your dad and shared a meal, he, he walked through with me and another guy we were with uh, here in town and said like, Hey, this, this is why I do what I do. Um, I remember when, again, when I had this initial conversation with your dad, we recorded at Austin Make a couple years ago, that I, I wish I wouldn't have hit stop on the record uh, function of our software as soon as I did, because some of the conversation afterwards was the gold I wish I would have got in addition to what he shared. But I just remember him looking at me in the eye when I asked, like, hey, like, you know, we're, we're going back and forth. And I was giving some compliments, and he's like, man, I haven't taken a day off in three years, um, like not even Christmas, and I'm just beat down. And, you know, I, I could tell he was... He was exhausted, but he also said, but I've never had like so much re- rewarding work and relationships come because I know like, what I'm doing is changing people's lives and it's changing my life. It's changing my family's lives. So yeah, it's just, it's so special to hear that you guys all say the same thing and you have a common mission. And I feel silly asking this next question, but I think it's still good to paint the perspective. Sam, you're, you're in college. Like, why the heck do you care about addiction? Because again, you're young, you could be pursuing a ton of other things. There are a lot of people whose parents own a family business and they decide to do something else. So yeah. Why are you focusing on this? Why do you care so much? And why do you plan to stick around? Yeah, definitely. So, um, you know, I keep saying it, but it really is a family affair. So growing up and being a part of my parents opening these two restaurants and specifically deviate as I got older, you know, I watched what they were doing. And in the back of my mind, I was always like, Oh, I would never, you know, want to take it over. (laughs) That was never something I was interested in. I always wanted to pursue journalism. Um, But really the mission behind their restaurant, it started out as a passion that formed in them and watching them work to erase the stigma surrounding addiction and to give people second chances kind of inspired me. And it kind of transformed into my own passion, which is really cool that I feel like I got to watch this fire light in my parents. And then it, you know, kind of lit a spark in me. Um, and so, you know, seeing how they've positively impacted people in Lexington has been really, really cool. Seeing how they've started that conversation about addiction in a way that is honest and transparent has really inspired me. And kind of something I realized through it all is that addiction affects so many people. And I think that's something that a lot of times we don't really think about, Uh, I've kind of noticed that I feel like people tend to categorize it as an us versus them mentality. So, you know, oh, those addicts over there, that's not me, you know, that's not my people, but really it is. And that's what I've seen through Deviate is it really, addiction doesn't discriminate. It affects everyone. And I think that's a really important message. And I think it's something that everyone needs to be 
you know, aware of. And I think we should be educating ourselves and having these conversations. And so I've been so fortunate to see my parents and the way that they've tried to use the gifts that they have or the abilities they have to further that conversation. So my parents are restaurant owners, they're business people. And so they saw this need in the community to erase the stigma surrounding addiction and start talking about it and provide second chances. So their way of doing that is to offer second chance employment. Now, I mean, like you said, I'm a college student, I'm young, I don't own a restaurant, I don't have that ability to hire people that are in recovery. What I do have is the ability to tell stories. So I love telling stories. I love writing. I love getting to know people through, you know, interviews and conversations. And so I felt like my way to contribute to this is by doing just that, by getting to know these people and telling their stories to hopefully amplify their voices. So that's kind of how I saw myself fitting into the piece of the puzzle. And I think that everyone has certain unique talents or gifts or abilities that they're able to use. And so I thought mine was storytelling and that's kind of what I wanted to do. Yeah, Sam, thanks so much for sharing that. It's it's just so special what your family's doing. And again, you've mentioned a few times it's a family affair. That should never lose weight. Like it, I'm so glad you guys are doing this as a family. And the way you're contributing with telling stories is actually the real reason we're here today. So Sam, you're here, you're writing a book. How, how the heck did you decide that, hey, I'm going to write a book. This is the avenue of how I'm going to contribute and tell stories. When did this idea spark? Yeah. So actually in March, 2020, I got sent home from Georgia and I got to move back into my parents. Uh, so that was, you know, an interesting time for everyone. And so when I was sitting down with my family, getting to figure out, you know, what we were going to do with all this free time, I started to listen to my parents' stories and I decided with them that I would write them down with no clear idea in sight of where it would go. But I just started to write down stories. They have a ton of them and they were really wanting me to do that because they, you know, have this huge source of information and of knowledge and of stories and they didn't want to forget any of it. So I started writing down what they would tell me with no clear idea of what would become of that. So then fast forward to this summer, I found out about this program through New Degree Press. So it's basically a program that is offered by a Georgetown professor, and he walks a cohort of new authors through a program from the writing process of a book to the publishing and the marketing. So it's this really, really cool program where you basically get to become a first-time author and you have someone helping you along the way. So I found out about this program and instantly it piqued my interest. I had this idea of wanting to tell stories and you know my parents had also had this idea of wanting to share their stories. And so I figured that you know, I don't know what I'm doing on my own, but if I could do it with a program, that sounded like a great idea. So I started actually sitting down with the idea of writing a book in August and the program's pretty accelerated. So I've actually already finished the first draft of my manuscript and I'm just awaiting revisions, but the pre-sale campaign has started. So what's also really cool is it's done through a crowdsourcing mechanism uh, or program. So basically I am trying to crowdsource or fundraise for the publishing costs. So it's really cool because I feel like I get to kind of take the community and rope them into what I'm doing where they can kind of learn about my journey as it's happening, as opposed to, you know, all of a sudden just a book coming out and me saying, Hey, here's this book, but they actually get to read some of the chapters and learn about it as the process is happening, which is really neat. That, that is very cool. Again, you're, you're writing a book, capturing other people's stories, and then you're inviting people into the story of, of this actual book being written. So yeah, super fascinating. And again, how, how, uh, how has, 
uh, again, you said it's with, with new press in this cohort. How has that helped you, I'd say, sharpen your skills and, and telling stories? Because that's something you said you've loved doing. How do you think that's helped you in this process? And then how do you think it's going to help you, you know, in your upcoming career in, uh, in South Carolina? Yeah, well, it's been really cool to get to utilize all the skills that I'm learning in college uh, in kind of a different format. So I mentioned earlier how I've gotten experience writing for newspapers and doing radio and television programming. Uh, but then now book writing is a whole different thing. So I get to use the school or the skills that I've learned from Grady, which is the journalism college here. And I've gotten to pair that with what New Degree Press is teaching. And so that's the publisher. And they have weekly sessions where they basically give tips on everything from interviewing to, uh, you know, marketing and everything in between. So I've really gotten to learn a lot of new skills. I've also gotten to sharpen a lot of the skills. For example, interviewing. That's something that I've done a ton of different times. But I think the more advice you can get, the better that you'll be. And also the more experience you get, the better you'll be. So I've gotten to really utilize a lot of that. And I think it's definitely going to help me moving into the future with storytelling and journalism being my career. I think it's only going to help me get better. Um, and I've really enjoyed getting to learn from people along the way. So it's been great. I was just curious. So thanks for answering my, uh, my personal interest. Yeah. <laughs> so last, last <laughs> thing about the book. So how, how did you come to decide on the title and why did you decide to break your book into a handful of chapters, handful of parts versus just telling one long, you know, telling one long journey? Yeah. So the book is called Deviate from Denial, uh, Erasing the Stigma of Addiction Through Inspirational Stories. So I came up with that idea actually with my parents. And so originally it was going to be called just Erasing the Stigma, but we didn't feel like that really shared enough about what the book aims to do. So yeah, it's trying to erase the stigma, but about what specifically. And then also deviate is a huge part of the book. So there's a lot that goes into the book that is kind of outside of deviate about the opioid epidemic in general. But deviate is obviously a huge part of it. I mean, it's the reason that I started writing the book. So I wanted to tie that in somehow. Um, and so I love alliterations. I think they're catchy. So honestly, I was trying to think of an alliteration that would go with deviate. Um, but then what's interesting is, so deviate kitchen is spelled DV8. And a lot of people uh, ask, you know, what that means. They think it stands for something and they're not really sure where that comes from. So I thought that by actually spelling out the word deviate in the book title, uh, that might kind of be a little clue of, you know, what that means. And then as far as the structure of the book, it's broken up into three parts. So part one is providing context on the opioid epidemic and kind of how we got to the place we're at right now. The second part is the biggest section of the book, and it's telling stories of people that have been affected by addiction, either through their own experience or through seeing addiction affect the lives of their loved ones. And a lot of those stories come from deviate employees. And then the third chapter focuses on kind of what we can do moving forward. So I propose solutions both at the you know local individual level as uh, in addition to kind of a systemic level of what we could maybe do to fix the problem. I talk about how we can reframe our thought processes. And I also talk about, you know, what exists currently. So what recovery options are out there for people who are in active addiction or who maybe want to get sober or who, you know, maybe even aren't ready to take the step to full sobriety, but, you know, kind of what resources are out there for them. So initially the book writing process started of just focusing on stories uh, since that's really what I'm passionate about. And that's what I think 
is most interesting to read. And what I think helps to erase the stigma is, again, by realizing that addiction affects everyone. It does not discriminate. So I think that by hearing people's firsthand experience with addiction, that is really eye-opening. But then as I was sitting down to write these stories, I realized that the opioid epidemic and addiction is I mean, it is a big topic. There is so much to talk about there. And so I felt like in order to make these stories the most effective, I needed to provide some context. And then to provide context and tell these stories, some of which are awesome and inspiring and really just, you know, leave you walking away feeling happy. Some of them, though, are, you know, they're messy and they're tough. And they don't have a happy ending. And so it felt a little bit weird to just end this book, you know, telling people stories. And I feel like that's not a downer because, again, there is a lot of inspiration that comes through the pages. But there is some hard stuff to talk about. And so I figured that by ending on kind of looking to the future. So what can we do? That seemed like a better ending to me. And and I feel like it actually proposing solutions is is something that I want people to be thinking about, thinking about how they can reframe their their thought processes. So it was kind of a gradual process where I was just planning on telling stories, but then this whole other kind of two sections came to be. Super cool. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm stoked to read this. Where can people go and, and find your book and support not just you as an author, but also like what your family has done? First of all, to uh, if you want to pre-order the book right now, it is available for pre-order until the end of April. So April 30th, that pre-order link will go down, but you can go to, it's on a platform called Indiegogo. You can find the link on my social media handles. It's also on Deviate social media and it's on Deviate's website. So you can go there if you're interested in pre-ordering and contributing to the publishing cost. Uh, you'll get a signed copy of the paperback book and there are a few other perks that you can get if you contribute to that campaign. Um, but then after that, it will be available to pre-order on Deviate's website. So if you're interested in learning more about Deviate, it has social media handles. They're all at Deviate Kitchen, or you can go to deviatekitchen.com to learn more about the mission and what my parents are doing. And then you can also see you know, some of our, our food and our menu and, and get an idea of the life-changing food that you can try if you go there. Yeah, life-changing food might be one, one of the best taglines of any restaurant. I feel like asking the, the question we usually try to end each episode with uh, isn't as appropriate for, for you. So at Awesome Inc., we, we promote the creation and education of technology and entrepreneurship, a lot of buzzwords, but oftentimes it's very easy to think about like tech startups and software companies and, and, and SaaS platforms and apps and like all this stuff. But you said earlier that the, the social enterprise, social entrepreneurship is just as important the culture your your parents have created within the restaurant community here in Lexington and as as patrons, as customers, is so crucial. People come back because they know the cause they're giving to. Um, can you can you wrap up, Sam, by just giving a quick shout out to your, your parents and uh, letting them know how proud you are of them and something from the heart, off the cuff. I'd love to end the episode this way. Absolutely. So I've said it before, I'll say it again. My parents are absolutely my biggest role models. And I think everyone says that about their parents, but I mean, I really mean it. They are so inspiring to me. Everything they've done for the Lexington community is, I mean, it's truly awesome in every sense of the word. I mean, they are impacting lives daily. And that is not only are they affecting employees because they're providing these second chances and, and, you know, taking a chance on them and they're giving them employment, but also there are so many guests that come into the restaurant who have their own history with addiction, whether it be themselves or they've seen it affect other lives. And that's really opened my parents' eyes and my eyes even further is seeing 
how many people come in who have that mission that really resonates with them. You know, they've been affected by addiction. And so getting to see how my parents are impacting both employees and guests has been really cool. I think they're starting this conversation. They're shedding light on a really important issue. And, you know, it's motivated me to want to learn more. And I hope that it's motivating other people to want to learn more as well. Uh, So, you know, they are my biggest encouragers and supporters and my biggest role models and inspirations. And I am, you know, just so thankful for them and for everything that they're doing in the Lexington community. I think they're doing a lot of good and they brag on me all the time. So, you know, I want the chance to brag on them. They really, really are doing important work. And I'm just, you know, so grateful to be able to witness it. That's so good. So if you're tuning into this episode, thanks so much. Go grab a meal at DV8. Go buy Sam's book when it hits hits the shelves. I think that's appropriate, but do people buy books anymore? No, they're probably eBooks. So Sam, appreciate your time. Appreciate your heart sharing about what you've been able to witness and how you're contributing to your family, continuing to create a better culture, a better place for people to be in Lexington. And, uh, and just, again, shedding light on a very serious issue that most people are probably unaware of. Awesome. Thank you, Garrett, so much for having me. This has been really awesome. And I appreciate you, you know, wanting to learn more about my parents and their work and what I'm doing. Well, that's it, guys. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of Awesomings Podcast. And another quick thank you to Lee Rosevere and a few members from our community who provide the music that you hear in this show. Lastly, give us a follow on Instagram, Facebook, all that jazz. Or even better, come on down to our space. Come be a part of our community and get plugged in. And let's start something awesome together. You guys rock. We'll see you next time.